The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. And this is the Hard Shoulder, Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock this evening. Kevin Backhurst is with me now in studio, the Director General of RTE. Uh, Kevin, you're welcome. Thanks a million for taking the time. Um, So this uh, famous, infamous legal advice with regard to exit packages and non-disclosure agreements uh, that you've received um, has been made public today. What does it say, that advice? Well, it basically makes it clear that, um, you know, we're in a position where, unfortunately, in many ways, we can't give the details um, of individual packages going back to 2016, um, largely for, for a number of reasons. Uh, we, we got legal advice in October, which made the same point, but I asked for renewed legal advice from an external advisor and they came back and said, you absolutely can't. Um, you know, many of these people left under um, settlement agreements, so they left RTE for a number of, of reasons and it went through a legal process or in some cases through mediation. And, uh, you know, there's a basic... Uh, confidentiality for every employee at whatever level. Um, but then obviously when people have gone through legal processes or through mediation, uh, it's common practice in semi-states or in commercial organisations for there to be a confidentiality agreement as part of that as well. So, um, you know, there's, there's a kind of double reason why we're unable to uh, to give details of mm. individuals. So how many people does this apply to going back to 2016? Well, we looked at uh, all the previous members of the executive who'd left uh, under details and also the two people who've left since I've been there. How many is that? Uh, I think it's eight altogether. Okay, so eight people since 2016. Mm, Are are you now then in the business of of contacting those people and asking them to waive their legal rights? Yes, so we've written to them in the last couple of days um, to ask them if they'd be prepared to waive waive their confidentiality rights. that's the only legal way we could possibly put the information out there um, and we'll have to wait for their responses. But I look, I want to be uh, realistic about whether they're likely to do it. I don't think they are, but it's, it's the only avenue open to me to try and see if that's possible. I guess if they're looking at, at the, the, the nature of the conversation that has been had in the public sphere, they'd be mad to do it, wouldn't they? From well, their own personal point of view. I think from... Look, people left under different circumstances... Um, uh, but will they want to put themselves into that kind of spotlight and, and uh, the kind of attention people have had? I don't know. Um, but also, I think they probably will think there's a point of principle. They, the organisation agreed confidentiality as part of the legal settlement in many cases. Um, so therefore, they may question why they want to do it. But, you know, I've written to see if they are prepared to do it. Um, can I ask them about uh, one of those individuals um, who has been in the news and subject a lot of that uh, public discussion I mentioned in the public sphere, um, Rory Coveney. Mm. So you were asked last week, Rory's role became redundant, an exit payment was offered by RTE and accepted by Rory and with no backfill uh, being made, RTE will recoup that payment by July of this year. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, a lot of people would have interpreted that as as, as meaning that the, the exit package was effectively in and around a year's salary for him, which is €200,000, give or take. I think people have interpreted that. I, As the legal advice say, I can't give details, but I wanted to be as clear as I possibly could within the legal guidelines. So, yes, that's what I said, yeah. Um, you had been asked, I think it was by Fiona Sheehan uh, about this mm. previously, um, and you said when he asked you whether a deal was made, no, he didn't get a payment going out the door, but he is entitled, as other people are, to, you know, statutory level kind of payments when mm. they leave an organisation. Now, he got far above statutory level, didn't mm. he? Yeah, look, I've been asked this a few times. I think I was using statutory in a more colloquial way than the, um, you know, look, this was day one in my job and it was a doorstep with 40-odd journalists. Um 
you know, I, what I, you know, what I was, what I meant, and probably maybe would use, I would definitely use different language now. Was I'd had legal advice about legally what he was entitled to, um, and you know, the minimum that he would be entitled to, particularly if he went to the WRC. So really, what I was saying, he was, he got kind of legally the minimum that he would be entitled to given the length of service he'd done. Um, what, what was the nature of that advice? Why was he... That, so if, if mm. his statutory entitlements, mm. minimum statutory entitlements, mm. and mo- most redundancy schemes mm. with all... You know, mm. they, they do include top-ups, mm-hmm. but the absolute minimum would be about €20,000. Yeah, if you if you use the yeah. very natural, yeah, the, the very statute. narrow and yeah, the yeah, absolute yeah. minimum. No, so, 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 so it's about saying, twenty thousand yeah. euro. Mm. He got ten times that amount. Yeah, well, as I said, so was, what, I was, what was the nature mm, of the legal yeah, advice that said you've yeah. got to actually pay mm. ten times what he's entitled to? So the legal advice, um, firstly, was uh, there are zero grounds to sack the individual, um, which I sort of knew, but I t- took external legal advice about this. So. If there are zero, zero grounds to sack the individual, then what is the potential liability to RTE if you want to agree an exit or if you want to exit him from the organisation? And the legal advice was um, if you have zero grounds, you could fire him with uh, a no-fault thing. He could take you to the uh, to the WRC and the minimum he'd likely get is double his salary plus legal costs. So if you can reach an agreement that is significantly below that, then the strong advice was try and reach an agreement. Um and I should say about Rory, and I think it's very, you know, I can understand why there's been a focus on him, but, you know, it's it's unfair in a way as well because he worked at RT for 16 years under various directors general. Um, he did a great job. Clearly, the toy show, the musical was mm. a failure, but he was not alone in, in that project. Um, so I was trying to be fair to him as well and also fair to his reputation to yeah. a man who needs to go out and find another job. I, I know, but and, and, and mm. I, I under, except you've been asked this a few mm. times and the focus has been on that use mm. of the word statutory. Is the, is the previous sentence not the more egregious one where you say, no, he mm. didn't get a payment going out the door? He did. Yeah, look, I was, what I was trying to do, look, I, and I had the very clear legal advice at the time, which I've had now, which is you can't give details about individuals exiting. Um, I was trying to... But then the answer to the question is, I can't give details about people Well, I did say that later in the answer, yeah, but Kieran, no, yeah. he didn't mm. get a payment going out the door. There's no way to interpret well, that other than it being 100% wrong. Uh, no, well, I don't think that's right. If you look at the full doorstep, it, I was clear that he did get a, some sort of level of payment, um, but that I was also constrained by the legal constraints. But then you conveniently slip the word statutory in when you add well, that qualification, you, which implies s- that it's an awful lot less. No, I wasn't conveniently slipping in it. Look, don't forget, this was day one in my job here, but I didn't conveniently slip in, slip in the word statutory. What I was, as I said to you earlier on, what I was trying to explain was it was the legal minimum that, um, that RTE could pay someone. Can you understand, though, why looking at that statement and the statement that you made then uh, last week and the level of payment made to Rory Coveney, why the public and why politicians and why arguably more Mm. important from your point of view, why some staff in RTE Mm. feel they've been misled? No, I can't really because I felt I was as open as I could be. And as I said to you, I mean, statutory, probably I wouldn't choose that word. So they're wrong to feel misled? No, I don't think they're wrong to feel misled. If that's the way they feel, I would never say they're wrong. But I was trying to be as open as I can. I think people forget... To be fair, people forget this was day one in the job for me. I'd come into the role. I mean, I'd been there the previous week or two trying to get my head around what was going on. And But people forget the clamour for heads to roll, for senior mm. leadership to change. And also what I wanted to do was just to come in and change the culture of the organisation and change the direction it was going in. 
um, and also to address some of the issues that were cropping up on a daily basis. And I felt that I needed to change the senior leadership team to do that. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a process. We were dealing with several people at the same time. Um, but I still think it was the right thing for the organisation to exit a number of individuals so that I could bring fresh leadership to the organisation. Mm. And I'm afraid the reality is not just at RTE, but in commercial organisations and across all semi-states, this is the reality. You can't sack people with no grounds for sacking them. No. But if you want to make a change to the culture, you have to change the leadership team. But, uh, right, setting aside then mm. feelings of being misled, can mm. you understand how some f- staff look at all of this and, and find it unfair? You know, yeah. say for a yeah. freelancer, people who haven't had kind of mm-hmm. uh, indefinite contracts renewed, mm. and then they look at Rory Coveney and they look at the toy show, the musical, and they look at, was it uh, Geraldine O'Leary, the former chair of the Audit and Risk Committee, describing no, it as... Anne O'Leary. Or yeah. Anne O'Leary, yeah. sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> so many uh, yeah, individuals. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, talk about it, deliberately circumventing established mm-hmm. procedures. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the payoff, you know, notwithstanding on, mm-hmm. the, uh, on foot of legal advice, mm-hmm. you know, is enough to buy a property in some parts of the country. Yeah, look, and you've got I, people on 20-odd grand being let go. Believe me, I, I, I don't like paying out big sums of money to people. But when you're advised that advise your liability could be significantly higher mm. than that. Um, you could like, reject the advice. It is well, only no, advice. You, no, you can. Well, yes, you can. And then we'd end up in the WRC and then yeah. I'd end up paying double or plus um, the amount of money. that wouldn't Possibly. Be likely was the advice, not yeah. possibly. That likely was the advice. Yeah. But so, it's still just so advice. To, to come back to your... Well, no, <laughs> it is. it's not just advice. I mean, these are... Very experienced, external we, we legal. We wouldn't have advisors. courts, or the WC wouldn't mm. exist mm-hmm. if advice was absolute. Yeah, in its accuracy. No, but you don't. You pay, can reject legal advice. You can reject legal advice, but if it's very clear as it was to me, it's reckless to reject that legal advice. Can I just come back to your point, which I do accept, which is particularly for staff at RT, but also mm. for audiences. These are uh, for anyone. I mean, these are large sums of money, and um, you know, I I don't like spending large sums of money in that way. But, you know, I would say to particularly the staff at RT, that I think, you know, the message I got from going around talking to staff was we need significant changes in the culture of this organisation and the leadership of this organisation. And uh, it's not easy to deliver that. And you certainly can't deliver it with the same team in place. And if I was sitting here today with exactly the same executive in place, um, then I think I'd have some serious questions to answer as well. There has been talk from some politicians today about imposing caps on exit packages. Mm-hmm. How would they impact your plans to change the personnel? Yeah, well, this came up in discussions with the minister um, and she, you know, we agreed that we would explore the potential of caps on exit mm. payments. Um, is there a way that we can make sure that these are exceptional and transparent if they do have to be made? Um, and also if there is a way of exploring you know, less use of confidentiality agreements. But as the report today makes clear, that's a very common thing in a legal settlement. Um, but I said to the Minister, I would certainly go away and look at all those options. But when I took external legal advice um, over the last couple of days about that, the advice was you need to be quite careful. So, for example, you know, I think it's really clear RT is going to have to be a smaller organisation. We've talked about voluntary exit schemes. Mm. If we put a cap on payments under those schemes in place, for example, it means that the burden would fall on more junior staff in terms of reducing headcount. So, you know, I want to be as fair as I can and I don't want to tie the hands of the organisation 
because one of the messages I've got very much is, you know, there are some brilliant managers at RTE, but overall there's probably too many. And that's what I should be looking at, if you like. And I've already said we'll try and target people mm. um, earning over 100000 a year. Now, if you're putting a cap on exit packages... They won't take it up. They won't take it. And you'd still have your redundancy target means lower down yeah, on the food chain. Exactly. And, you know, I, I want to be fair to everybody. Everyone in the organisation from top to bottom um, has employment rights. And, um, you know, I'm very mindful of everyone being treated fairly mm. in the organisation from top to bottom. And um, that's what I'm trying to do. So uh, part of this kind of vision for RTE in the future is that it is a smaller organisation, yeah. as you say, and that's the redundancy scheme. I mean, beyond that, how would you describe the ambition of of your vision because there's a perception yeah. out there maybe all mm. it is is you kind of you, you, you don't replace retirees you, you get mm-hmm. rid of some mid-level mm-hmm. managers and Fair City isn't on quite as often and that's about <laughs> it it wouldn't exactly yeah. convince some people out there I suspect to start well, paying that, their television licence that's not again. the reality of the strategy that we've set out I mean and, and this is really I mean this you know this is really an important thing which is you know the, te- my t- the team and I but the team in particular are working really hard on on putting more detail on that strategy so we can deliver that to, to government and, and then publish it in due course. When is in due course? Um, I think over the next couple of months is what is what the department would expect from us. <clears throat> um, the publication's up to them once they've yeah, looked at but it. but by and, the end of April, you'd be hoping? I would hope so, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that that vision would have... There'd be yeah, meat but, on the bones. but to answer your question on the vision, I mean, it, it is about a smaller organisation. It's about moving more of the production outside of Dublin around the country, particularly looking at Cork as a first stop there, um, as becoming a major production centre for us. Um, it's also about investing much more with the independent sector and um, becoming a you know, creative um, driving force for Ireland. So the, the money that comes into RTE is not spent within RTE uh, alone, but it's actually spent with our brilliant independent producers around the country um, who've got fantastic creative ideas, giving them a little bit more certainty over big investments and so mm. on. So, you know, those would be two things um, which are really important as part of the strategy. But also, sorry, the, the last thing, I mean, you know, we have underspent in our investment in 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 things like the player and, and, and uh, digital products and so on. And clearly that's where audiences, particularly younger audiences, but all audiences are going. So mm. we really need to invest in... in our digital um, products and the way we reach audiences. But Montrose, not up for sale? Well, we've looked at that. I mean, there's there's, there's four or five listed buildings on the part yeah. that we could sell and there's not a huge demand for office space in Dublin right now. Um, so so the, the amount we could raise by selling the whole site um, wouldn't sell be enough. Sell 2FM? Wouldn't, no, I don't think, I think that's that would be ridiculous. For, you know, 2FM is a really important part of how we reach younger audiences. Um so no, I think you know, and it's doing extremely well. Um, so Dan Healy and the team have been doing a fantastic job on Two FM. Um, but I, in terms of the site itself, um, to answer your question, we we do aim to shrink back to a smaller part of the site. So sell parts of it, maybe some no, potentially green we space look at on that, it. or yeah, or or are there other things that that could be valuably done with the site? Whether we sell it or whether we look at um, you know, is there something useful that could be done about social housing or whatever? We would look at that in due course, but that'll be over a period of years. That you would do that directly or in tandem with one of the housing agencies? Yeah, we talk to the land development agency, we talk to government. Okay. Um, look, if we can get, I think if we can get um, proper public funding settlement that we can invest in all these things, um, I think there would be a merit in looking at, is the land suitable for social housing or something similar rather than us trying to sell it? How have you found the Oireachtas Committee experiences? Um, varied. 
Um, I think, look, I think they overall, they've had a really important job to do. And I think I said it in the last um, uh, media committee that I appeared at, that, mm. you know, I think there should be credit to them actually for some of the things that they have managed to pull out of the organisation. I I think it's been hard for the organisation and hard for the individuals because, um, you know, they have they have asked us for a lot of information, a lot of documents. They've had thousands of documents, and rightly so. Um, uh, and the, you know, the periodic committee appearances alongside having to provide all that information, alongside all the independent inquiries um, that we've been publishing, has meant that there's been a period now since I arrived of, you know, consistently mm. having to deal with new things that have emerged how do we put the organisation back on a really firm footing in terms of how mm. we run the organisation, the transparency, how do we deal with those things, and at the same time try and deliver great content for would, audiences. Would, 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 would one committee be helpful rather than two? No, that's not really a question for me. I mean, we will do whatever the Eructus asks us to do. And, um, be easier for you to manage, I'm sure, though. Oh, of course it would be easier for, for me and, and for my colleagues to manage, but... You know, the PAC and the um, the Public Accounts Committee and the Media Committee have, mm. have got different jobs to do. And, and, you know, certainly they've asked some different questions. There's been some overlap, that's for sure. Have you listened to Ryan Tuberty's new show? Uh, I haven't had the time. Will, you make, hope, will you make the time? I definitely will, yeah. And I, I really hope he does well in the UK. Um, you know, look, I, you know, it's been an unfortunate part of this that... Uh, Ryan said to had to do that, but I, I hope he finds success in the UK. Well, he's certainly excited today. I think by a, an anniversary of uh, Abbey Road being recorded by the Beatles, if uh, social media is anything to go by. Uh, Kevin, thanks a million for joining us in studio. Kevin Backer, Director General of RTE. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.